Thank you very much. It's great to be here and mess up your church. It's really awesome. Love your pastor and his wife. I really like you guys. <laughs> if I lived in this area, I'd be going to church here. I really would. And if you're new today, welcome home. That's, uh, I'm telling you, sometimes you go to a church and people look at you, look what the cat drug in, that kind of stuff. But not here. They're friendly, aren't they? Yeah? They got it going on here. And I want to thank you for your leadership in so many things. Prayer, seeking God, purity, humility. The DNA of this church is love and hunger after God. And you guys walk in the miraculous because you're expecting miracles. And that's fun to live in a life of miracles, walking in the miraculous. I feel I'm living that right now, day to day. Why? Because it's a life of really, really trying to be humble, really, and pursuing God out of a pure heart and being hungry for the Lord. And when you see God, you know it isn't you. It's God at work. You know what? That's quite humbling because things happen. I didn't do a thing. God did it. That's fun to go through life like that, of just practicing the presence of Jesus, being mindful of him all of our, around us, being thankful in our hearts and full of joy and asking God in Jesus' name for miracles. And when we look for them, we'll be aware of them and they're going to happen more often as we have our eyes open. And I want to thank you as a church for your generosity and your hard work. You go to work or whatever you do to realize an income and you share it through this church and around the world. And I want to thank you for getting involved with Convoy of Hope, even locally responding to flood disasters in this local area. So many of you responded and you volunteered time and you put some sweat equity in helping families get back on their feet when their home, their house, was devastated. Convoy of Hope does that all around the world because of folks like you who give through Convoy, but also go with Convoy. Convoy of Hope is not a humanitarian organization, yet humanitarian organizations are fabulous. I mean fabulous. I don't want to put down anybody, but there's something different about Convoy. We're a compassion ministry that works in and through the church. When we respond to something, we typically work through churches to help their neighbors. It's never a dump stuff off and run out of town. No, we work through the church. We empower the church. We do it through disaster response, community events where we enrich a community, where not only do we have a, do we have a, a big one-day event in a, in a local community where there will be free haircuts, medical screening, job interviews, a kid's zone, groceries, giveaways, and medical screen, all the kinds of stuff for families. And these events usually run from 800 people to 15,000 people. We've done 1,000 of those outreaches the last 21 years. In fact, more than 1,000. And we've done some in this area, the Saint, greater St. Louis area, and we'll be doing some more. Why? Because this is a big town in this metro area. And we're picking the largest 50 communities in America, and we call them signature events. Um, where, were the, where were the riots a year, 
Ferguson. We did an outreach there within the last 12 months. And I, probably you folks were involved with it, knowing you folks. We bugged you and said, come on, let's go. And you responded. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for your generosity. It will be two, uh, two years this May that you were challenged to give a day's pay out of your year. One day a year, sacrificially giving it through Convoy to help people who had a lot less than you. You gave. But last year, you switched it to February and centered it around thing, uh, Valentine's Day. And uh, kind of like the heart of God and heart for people, it was really a great theme. And here you go again. Next week, Valentine's Day, you're saying, God, I love you with all my heart. Thank you for all you've given to me. Help me to be responsible for what you've given to me. Help me share with people who have a lot less than I have. And this is an, an offering of thanksgiving and the heart of God for people. That's what your pastor is conveying to you. And many of you, you're going to sacrifice. Many of you are going to give out of your need. You've got needs. But you're saying, God, I don't want to just be an object of your blessing. I want to be an instrument of your blessing. That's, that's what this heart, uh, the, this church does. You see, I'm on to you. These, your pastors talk to me about you. And you are one of the most generous churches in the United States that, that we come across. And we've got thousands of churches that are involved with us. In fact, we've partnered with over 22,000 organizations, businesses, churches, civic organizations, uh, universities, you know, you name it. Uh, we've partnered with that many organizations. And you, you are remarkable. You know what remarkable is? Other people talk about you. <laughs> wow. So we talk about you at Convoy and your leadership. So you are remarkable as a people. And you know what? You need to tell your friends about how remarkable your church is. And people want to come and be a part of something that is miraculous, that you walk in the miraculous. And I want to thank you for that, because I get to talk about your church to other churches, and they get hungry for God because I talk about you. Get it? Yeah. And when you talk about your church and all that's going on here, people are going to get hungry for God. Okay? So I brag about you. Keep it up. And I believe this. You need to catch each other doing things right. It's the lost art of encouragement. That was our motto in our youth ministry. We had a lot of students there. We had over 75 youth workers working with students in our youth ministry. And our motto, catch kids doing things right. It's amazing what somebody will do when you believe in them. So believe in one another and what God is doing in and through your life. And I want to thank you for believing in what we're doing at Convoy of Hope. Like Pastor said, we are feeding kids today because they were skipping school so they could panhandle or work so they could eat that day. They were trading away their future to exist today, to survive today. And we said, we can fix that. You know why? We get food and supplies donated to Convoy of Hope. Last year alone, we had 90 Five million dollars worth of supplies and food donated to Convoy of Hope last year. Yeah. 
that's just one year, and that's less than wholesale value. The retail value, I have no idea what that $95 million would be. But here's what that means. When you partner with Convoy, you are partnering with all of our other partners. You're partnering with other churches and food companies and everybody else who donates to Convoy. I mean, little children give 10 bucks a month to sponsor a child somewhere in the world through Convoy of Hope. Many of you guys are doing that through Feed One. 10 bucks a month, that's the average cost of feeding a kid every month through Convoy of Hope. That's pretty cool. Now, if we sent you pictures and you wrote them, that price tag goes up another $25 because of the admin on that. But we expect people to trust us and we do what we say we do and we can do that for 10 bucks. And so thanks for your trust. Because of your trust, we can do a lot more with your money. <laughs> and trust me, we've spent it before you send it. <laughs> because we step out in faith. We're not a bread basket full of money. A lot of times we live on faith. We roll the trucks out of the yard of our warehouse by faith a lot of times. And it's miraculous to see what happens. God responding in the hearts of people. It's pretty awesome. But when you partner with Convoy, you partner with our partners. Let's say Pastor Brad said, everybody go to the store and buy food and we're gonna fill a container full of food, 20 tons. So go to the store and buy food. You buy things off the shelf. Not everybody will buy the same thing, but you bring it here and that's when the work starts because you have to box it up and match it and palletize it, shrink the thing on a pallet and then rent a forklift. Then you rent a truck to get it. Let's say you're gonna send it to the Philippines then you hire a trucker to send it all the way to the west coast of one of the five ports. Then you get it across the Pacific. That's quite a haul. Talk about a slow boat to China than south, it's, it's pretty big. Then you hope that you can get it in the port. You're not a registered non-government organization, and so you might have to pay a tariff and maybe bribe people, and hopefully it won't sit on the dock for six months. Then you get it out of the street, hopefully you won't be robbed or ripped off or sold on the street instead of getting to the people you want to get it to. How, that would cost you altogether maybe sixty, seventy thousand dollars just to do that right there, 20 tons of food. Or you could partner with Convoy and our partners. We take a truck after our procurement team says, hey, you got anything to give us? Yes, send several trucks. <laughs> and we go to a food supplier and they load our trucks, not with shopping carts, but with forklifts. And we take it back to our house, our, our warehouse, and we, sh we load it with other gifts from other companies and we ship it to the west coast and it gets on a, on a boat, gets into the port because we're registered in the, in the country. We don't have to bribe anybody because we have trust. We have relationship and we get it to our warehouse there and it goes all over the Philippines to feed 22,000 kids every day in the Philippines. And we did that on average and all the countries we go to, the average is $7,500 for 20 tons of food. That's pretty good. <clears throat> instead of sending it and costing 70000 Okay, when you partner with us, you partner with our partners. You know what? You can't do what Convoy does, but we can't do what we do without you. That's why we brag about you. Every person in your influence who you welcome to be a participant 
in this offering next week. Yeah, your friends at work and things like that. And I hope you're wearing the little stickers at work. I gave one day. Pick the day you're going to go to work with that sticker on and say, this one's on me, Jesus. I'm going to bless people. Your job will take a different view. You'll have a different view of your job. Your job will not, will not be just about paying bills for you or having a good time. You're going to do this for somebody else. Not only that, it'll strike up a conversation with people at work. And who knows? But how you are so weird about God might actually interest them. And how wacky you are about Jesus. That you would give an absolute day to feed the poor. You know what? That's attractive. Because people have a different pocket for the poor. No matter where you work, no matter who you hang out with, people have a different pocket. Because of your generosity, you are going to not only minister to kids around the world, you're going to minister to people right where you work. And you might even help them be generous and responsible with what they have and help them to live within their means so they can be generous. You know, it works together, doesn't it? You know, Convoy of Hope, you don't give money to us, you give through us. Like I said, we've spent your money. We feed kids in the Philippines. I started going to the Philippines in June, I uh, know, no, in Haiti. I went to Haiti the first time after the earthquake. It's actually my second trip there. June of 2010, and the next month in July, I met this little boy who had been abandoned three times. And he was five and a half, same age I was when my dad left. And I really locked into this kid. You know why? He was five and a half when I met him, and his name is Jeff. I could remember that one. So we feed 147,000 kids, and we minister to millions and millions of people every year. And I can't remember all their names. So Jeff is my target. I pray for him. I remember his name, and he represents the millions of kids in our ministry to me that I pray for. The millions of families, mothers that we train to feed, you know, have a business and, and earn money so their kids are fed and they have an education. It represents the farmers that we have trained, over 4,500 of them in Haiti alone, who've created a co-op, and they give, I think there's 900 farmers in that co-op, they give 10% of their crops to feed the kids in Haiti. We're training them how to do that. And we take some of your money to buy food from them. It's not a donation on the next part. We want to keep them in business. So we're paying them to raise crops so they can you know, feed their own families, then sell other parts of their crop. And it's kind of like, it's cyclical. It's pretty cool. And like Pastor said, our motto of the last 18 months, we're feeding these kids, but we probably won't be feeding their grandkids. We're going to work ourselves out of a job. We might be feeding somebody else's grandkids, but not these grandkids, because we're going to break the cycle of poverty through education and training and a relationship with Jesus. These people are the future of the church. These kids, we're, do, we're doing nation changing through the kids, through an education process, but also they get Bible curriculum every single day. We have over 1,100 program centers globally in 10 countries. We're dropping a country, but adding three. We'll be in 12 countries starting this spring. We're going to Nepal. It's hard to get there. 
it's really high. Not on drugs, but altitude. <laughs> and it, we just had an earthquake response there, and it was tough to get there. So we thought the best way to turn this puppy around is through the kids. Let's get them in school. Let's have a long-term impact. You see, we got an end game. Where are we going to be in 20 years? When we start doing this feeding thing, we have to say, so what? We're dealing with the immediate. That's the Jesus stuff that's in the Bible, helping feed the poor, the widows, the orphans. I mean, that is Bible stuff. That's what Convoy does. The hungry, all that. But the end game is to go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So where is that going to be in 20 years? So we are intentionally building the church with businessmen, teachers, pastors, lawyers, well, maybe, and then um, <laughs> doctors, all those people. It's pretty amazing what God can do when you step out in faith. Pray for us. A lot of people at Convoy that work there, it's like when they come there, it's, they've got a target on their back. Satan attacks our team, okay? So if you don't know, one other thing for Convoy, pray for us. Pray for us. We are, we're in a battle, and yet there's a lot of satisfaction in what we do. But, man, our people get sick, our team. And we have, some of us have financial problems. Some of us have tremendous physical problems on our team. And it's amazing how many relatives of team members have passed away in the last three years. Close relatives. Moms, dads, children, siblings. And uh, you know what? Our people walk in, in faith, but also heartache, just like you. We're, we're just guys and gals saying, God, use us. And so I really, 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 really ask you to pray. For Kathy and I, yeah. But our team, it, we really need your God's anointing. So this week, when you prayerfully consider giving a day of your life. Just remember the kids that you're serving. I work for those kids, 147,000 kids. I work for them. One day of your life can change every day of their life. That's what happens. Today, I uh, picked a verse, and it's going to get up here. We're going to talk about supreme love, a supreme love for Jesus. And a lot of us will read a Bible verse. We'll be blowing through the Bible and come across Matthew, no, Luke 14, and we come to verse 25. Great crowds were following Jesus, and then we hit this verse, and we read it. Man, that's as strong as horseradish. Jesus didn't mean that. No way. Well, let's read it together out loud, okay? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Okay, to be a disciple. Does that mean we have to go home and be a grouch? No problem. We got it going on at our house. <clears throat> Jesus is talking to the Jewish community. They loved each other. He knew that, and they knew he knew that. He was drawing a comparison. He was saying, I know how much you love your family, but your love for your family is like hate compared to your love for me, if you're going to be my disciple. It doesn't mean we love our family less. It means we love Jesus more. When I shared this with our youth staff when I was a youth pastor in, Spring, uh, in Albany, Oregon, before I moved to Misery, 
my, my, I had a youth worker, she said, God doesn't expect us to love him more than our family. No way. And I said, yes way. And I said, you know how much I like coffee. I was in my natural pose, ad placement for the next door. I'm not Vanna White, but eat here. Egg and I, the egg and I. Thanks for the loner. Anyway, I shared with her and said, you know how much I'd like coffee. Yeah, you're an addict. Okay, let's say I was going to drink a cup of coffee. I wouldn't use a dirty cup, right? No, you clean the cup up. So okay, I fill the, the cup all the way to the top. I mean, it's really full. And somebody comes along and bumps my arm. What's going to happen? Well, you're going to spill coffee all over yourself. I said, exactly. And the thing is, let's pretend this cup is also our heart and mind. And we're asking Jesus to fill us with his love. And let's say that cup, our heart and mind, is full of scum. For all have scummed and fallen short of the glory of God, right? All of us have scummed in our life. But if we confess our scum, he is faithful. He's just. And he will forgive us of our scum. And he will purify us, wash us, cleanse us from all unrighteous scum. You know, stuff we, stuff we mess up on. We fall short of God's expectations and standards. We miss the bullseye for the best. That's called sin. We miss it. So here we ask Jesus into our heart by asking for forgiveness. And what's really great is the Holy Spirit kind of points that out to us. And we don't feel that we're right with God. That's called conviction. That's a good thing. Sometimes we feel convicted in a service and we don't make it right with God. We walk out feeling condemned. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that through him they would have life. When we reject Christ, that's when we feel condemned. When we feel convicted, that's the Holy Spirit saying, come on home, get it right. All right, that's the cool thing about the Lord. He nudges us all the more closer to him. So we ask Jesus into our life and what happens? He comes in. He moves into our life. That is really awesome. So we're full of God's love, his presence. He takes up residence in our life. And we're full of God. And we're full to overflowing with his presence. And let's pretend this cup is our heart and life. And we get jarred by a consternation, a fight <laughs> at home. And what do we do? Instead of reacting and blowing up with, to those around us, we spill God's love. Instead of reacting, we respond in love, and we spill God's love. What's really cool, if we have a supreme love for Jesus, and we have an authentic taste of Jesus, we're going to want some more. It's like being in the middle of summer, or right now I'm really thirsty, and there's water right over there I'd really like sometime soon. Give me eight more minutes. I'm going to go drink that. And so here's what's cool. When I get a great taste of water or espresso, like I had a few minutes ago, four shots, yeah. Um, I want some more, just like a great iced tea. When you get a great taste of something, you want some more. When you get a great taste of Jesus, you want some more of him. And that's why you keep coming back to this church, because God is real here. He shows up here. That's why people come here. When you are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, the promise is in the Beatitudes that you shall be filled. And God promises, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. How hungry 
are you for Jesus? How thirsty are you for the presence of God? Let me tell you, if you're thirsty and hungry for Jesus, that's called a burning passion or, or intimacy with Jesus. The more you ha have of him, the more you want him. The person who says, I'm okay just the way I am. You know what? That's a person who's going cold. I'm telling you, the person who's passionately seeking after the Lord, Lord, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. Get it out of here. So there can be more pure for you that you just come into my life. And Lord does all of that. Here's what happens. The more we pursue him out of passion and intimacy, he captures our heart. He captures our desires, our devotions, that which we defend. He captures what we aspire to become in life, our dreams, our aspirations, our frustrations, that which causes us to laugh or mourn or grieve. Those things that are tough to get past and in our past that we have a hard time forgiving others about those things that have, have just absolutely riveted us to the past. We're shackled. God sets us free when we love him more than the pain of our past. And God gives us new desires in our hearts. And he captures our pocketbook, our schedule, everything. Our frustrations, our dreams, everything. We're like David, a person seeking after the very heart of God. And we are passionate for God. We'll have a compassion for others. In our humanity, we oftentimes judge people. Well, there's a problem to be solved. We see somebody that has a need. That's our, our humanity speaking. But through the eyes of Jesus, when we have a passion for God, we'll see people differently because we'll look at people through his eyes of compassion. In the Bible, when Jesus looked on people with compassion, he had blurred eyes because they were full of tears. <laughs> Instead of seeing people... As problems to be solved, we'll see people as people to be served. Compassion. It's not empathy, merely understanding somebody's problem. It's not sympathy, merely feeling sorry. Compassion means action. Jesus had compassion on people, and he was moved with compassion. Sure, he taught with authority, but he took action. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry with a little sack lunch that became a smorgasbord one day, or a couple times that happened. It was amazing. This passion turns into compassion, compassion for the lost, the hurting, the widows, the orphans, the hungry, the poor, the suffering. That's what this church is about. You, as a people, you have compassion and you love people. Really awesome. My wife and I, We've experienced the passion of the Lord, our love for God, but it's transferred into a greater love for one another. We've been married 38 and a half years next Sunday, no, next Saturday. <clears throat> we celebrate Valentine's on the 13th because that's our half anniversary and the restaurants are empty. <laughs> Get a res. And we've never had a fight in 38 and a half years. And you're laughing. You're probably thinking, liar, liar, pants on fire, run for president. <laughs> <clears throat> Seriously, uh, the neighbors have heard us talk. <laughs> now, we've never had a fight, and it's her fault. So, uh, 
I live with the most selfless person. This is pretty remarkable. We have two daughters. They're expensive. <laughs> and all the while growing up, I tell them I love them. All the time. I mean, and I catch them doing things right. Guess what, guys? What? I love you. Ten minutes later, guess what? You love us. <laughs> Ten minutes later, guess what? You love our mom. So I didn't want them to end up on Jerry Springer <laughs> or Dr. Phil because it's the dad who sets the tone of love in the home. You read it in the Bible, Ephesians 5 and 6. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Paul was trying to get it across. Men, we set the level. Women, they just cry and they... We think that's it, you know, love, hey, you cry. You know. But you know what? It's the dad, the affirmation toward the wife, the kids. That's the level of love that you'll have in your home. It will never surpass that. It's a ceiling. My kids, I love them. They won't ever realize how much they have that love in our lives. Now, we're grandparents. Kathy found out we were going to be grandparents. She said, I'm going to go buy some diapers. And I said, you're not that old yet. <laughs> That's a true statement. <laughs> but I've got a theory that grandkids, they are a reward for not killing your own kids. Just a theory, okay? Just a theory. But the rules were pretty simple at our house. They couldn't ride with a friend who had their license less than six months. Stephanie broke the wool. She rode home with a friend who had their license two months. And we make rules to protect the kids. They're very simple rules at our house. Do what I say! No, I didn't yell at her. <laughs> but uh, they didn't make the Stephanie Lindsay model anymore. This happened while Stephanie was a sophomore. But her friend had her license a few months old before Stephanie. And Stephanie thought, well, if she can drive, I can drive. Jessica, can I drive? Sure. And to drive down our street, it's a good idea to slow down. She's behind the wheel. She forgets to buckle up. Having never driven the lawnmower before, she doesn't know the difference between the brake and the gas. She steps on the gas instead of the brake, and she plants this car in the neighbor's yard on a telephone pole. She sails over the steering wheel and breaks out the windshield, bubbles it out, shatters it, and she's cut right here. My brother-in-law sees this accident. He runs down the street. Miss, miss, what's your name? We need to call your parents. Uncle Ben, it's me. She was a mess. So they take her in the neighbor's kitchen, call the EMTs and everything. Kathy shows up. I show up, and people are waving me down. Don't go through this as if I can go right through there. There's ambulance, cop, cars, neighborhood. And I'm thinking, what idiot drove the car up on the yard? <laughs> and Stephanie is in the kitchen. My dad's here. Oh, no, he's going to kill me. So I walk in, Stephanie, I love you. Daddy, daddy, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. As if I'm in a killer. And I'm thinking, mm, no, nah, too many witnesses. <laughs> so we take her to the hospital and we get her there. And I couldn't talk for 20 minutes. It took years off of me. I'm actually 28. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe give or take. <laughs> a lot. But I said, Stephanie, I love you. I love you too, Dad. No, nah, I don't think you get it. We have rules to protect you. 
not to ruin your life. And Stephanie, I wish I could trade places with you. Instead of you be here, I would do that for you. You would? Yeah. And you got to know one more thing. I love you so much, I would die for you. You would? Yeah, I would. Mom and Dad, you love your kids that much. You would die for them, right? Not. They're probably watching. Not. They're watching. <laughs> we love our kids that much. Now, understand that commitment and that passion you have for those you love you the most and stack it with this verse. Those we love the most, our love for them is like hate compared to our love for Jesus if we are going to be his disciple. But it goes a lot further. Because of our love for them, for God, his love is moving in us and through us. My wife knows that I'm crazy about her and our daughters. I mean, we're the cleavers. We love each other. I love my family. They know that. But they know I love Jesus more. And they're okay with that deal. My wife gets a better husband out of that. And my kids get a better dad. In my humanity, I do not possess the love that they need or desire or that which I want to give. But God moving in me and through me is pretty miraculous. That I'm not just an object of God's blessing and my heritage. My heritage is nothing compared to the importance of my legacy that I leave behind with my kids and my wife. They know I love them, but they're okay with me loving Jesus more because they see the love of God moving in me and through me. But otherwise, I'd be just blowing my stack. That's one of the reasons my dad left. He had a short fuse. I never shared this publicly. But he was a carpenter, and I went out on the t couch, and uh, it was raining in Oregon, go figure. <laughs> but I was five and a half. This happened a few days before I never saw him again. But he'd scream at my mom all the time, and my oldest brother, nine years older than me, and it really impacted him for life, my brother, into his adult life in ministry. He had to leave the ministry because of issues from his childhood. Tough time with self-esteem. But he was yelling at my mom. I never shared this. And I went out and sat on her lap, and I covered her ears, and I turned to Dad. Daddy, leave Mommy alone. Go to work. And he was gone within a few days. Let me tell you, that's the kind of father image I had growing up. And then there was my grandpa, tough old Norwegian, Yashur, who loved me. We lived on his ranch. And he had enveloped me. And my uncles beat me up all the time so I wouldn't be a sissy. Didn't work, I guess. But anyway. <laughs> but the greatest day in my life as a father will be when my children say, Dad, I love you, but I love Jesus more. Right. Mission accomplished. 
because they will do things or not do things because they love Jesus, not just because I say so, because they're afraid of disappointing me or my rules or I'll, ups I'll get upset. But they will find out what pleases the Lord and do that. You know what? Holiness really is not adhering to a list of rules. Holiness is a hard thing. I will do things or not do things because I love Jesus. And my friend, my new friends, do what pleases the Lord. A lot of people are not in church today because they are tired of the don'ts that they perceive exists in Christianity. When you focus on the do's in the Bible, you won't have time for the don'ts. You really won't. And you know what? When you love Jesus, you won't be so hung up on those things because you're not an object in God's kingdom. You're an instrument of God's love. God bless you.